If you're looking for an amazing place to whet your whistle and get some delicious food, you should check out The Handlebar right here in Chico, California at 2070 East 20th Street. They've got an amazing happy hour, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get dollar off draft beers, half off bottles of wine, and some excellent deals on cocktails. They also have a fantastic dog-friendly patio, and they are all ages. Take the family down. Check them out. Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Good day and welcome back to Fresh Hop Cinema, your favorite craft beer and movie podcast slash sometimes radio show. My name is Johnny Summers. And that is obviously Max Minardi. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. That's Johnny Summers. Welcome to the show. Yeah. This week on the show, we have our review of the new film, Wrath of Man, from director Guy Ritchie. We've also got beers from this year's winner of the March Beer Madness Tournament, <laughs> Fall River <laughs> Brewing, out of Bernie, California. The first is a blonde ale called Day Off, and the second is a heavily fruited sour called Sippin' on Jam and Juice. If you happen to be listening to us on the lovely airwaves of 90.1 FM, aka KZFR, you'll be hearing our review of that blonde ale. And the first portion of our discussion of Wrath of Man, which will, of course, be spoiler-free for anybody who hasn't seen the film yet. That said, if you do want to hear the full discussion, you can find this episode, plus more than 200 other film and beer conversations, dating all the way back to 2016, at any of the following places. Your Spotify's, your SoundClouds, or your Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a rating or review. That'd be super awesome. Also, anywhere... that you find quality podcasts. That's right. If you are more of a social media person, you can find us on Instagram for photos, Letterboxd for film reviews, and Untapped for beer reviews. All of those places, you'll put that little at sign and then Fresh Hop Cinema, at Fresh Hop Cinema. And for all of that fun stuff, roll into one exquisitely curated digital space. Check out our virtual podcast mansion at freshhopcinema.com. If you would like to write us with more than a sentence or two, or even send in a voice memo, like one Mr. John Hutchins, send us an email to fhccast at gmail.com. We'll read it, and you may even earn yourself a shout-out on the show. That is right. Let's talk about Patreon for a minute. There's a couple points of housekeeping we need to do. Number one, check your feeds this Monday for technically a top five. At least that's what it says in the description. We covered our top five uh, films that are better than Wrath of Man, and it turned into more of a, I don't know, we talked about a lot of movies, right? I think it was probably closer to like a you know, let's talk about 20 movies and then kind of interweave them and eventually kind of throw together a top five. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you want to tease anything else more than that about what we talked about? Oh, we went deep on uh, who would be on our team. Like Mm. we both picked, we both picked who would be our wheel man or woman, you know, who's the mastermind, fun stuff like that. You should check it out. Yeah. So that'll be in your feeds on Monday. All of our patrons, Um, if you guys don't know what Patreon is and you're not one of our patrons, you can join us and support our show for like a dollar an episode. You just go to patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. You can sign up and you get access to bonus content like that. We have been doing bonus content in various forms basically since we started the show. So if you can't get enough of our voices here, that's a great way to do it. And things like this happen. We basically have, let's say three birthdays this week before our next episode drops, which are as follows. Kyle Williams, big shout out to Kyle. It's Kyle's birthday, actually the day of this recording. So Kyle's in Reno singing his little heart out. So Kyle, happy birthday. 
We also have another patron birthday on this exact same day. That is Austin Smith. Austin, I have not seen you. When's the last time you saw Austin, Johnny? It's been many a moon. Like months, I think even before the pandemic, it was a little bit. Yeah. Which is a shame. I Oh, you know what it was? We all had a thing at Burgers and Brew. And I think John was there and Nick was there. Miyagi was probably there. And we all shared some beers. I think that's when I saw Austin last. So it's Austin's birthday. Austin, happy birthday. Also, yeah. this this could go into next week's episode, but we'll do it now because it's actually the Sunday. And that's Chris Gomez's birthday. Chris, happy freaking birthday, man. Chris uh, has been known um, all around town for having a great mustache, cutting our hair to look really sexy. Um, and having a great palate for carbonated alcohol beverages like beer. And also being a fantastic all-around guy. For real. Yeah. So lots of patron birthdays. That's that's fun. Happy birthday to all three of you. Uh, we love you guys so much. Thank you for supporting us. Hell yeah. Johnny, I think that's all the housekeeping we have. What do you say we get into beer for the day? Let us do it. Okay. You hinted at this. You said... Um, you can be like John Hutchings and send us a voice memo. So we will hear from John in a minute. He is the owner of our brewery of the week, Fall River Brewing Company out of Bernie, like you said, sir. Tell me a little bit, if you would, um, what what you meant when you said uh, beer madness. What I mean, maybe we have new listeners that don't know about this, but you did mention that Fall River won. What is that? Yeah. So our beer madness is a March Madness style bracket single elation, single elation tournament sure. and elimination. There's elation. <laughs> there's deflation. There's yeah. everything in between. Yeah. Yeah, so we basically have a bracket that we formulate a category. Me and Max make up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like who's in the bracket, too bad. Oh. <laughs> it's our bracket and it's fun. We like it. And yeah, so we put polls up on our website and they get voted off one by one, week over week, until there's only one, the champion, which for our second annual tournament, they are the back to back reigning, defending beer heavyweight champions of the world. Fall River Brewing. Yeah, they took it this year with Num Num Juice. Uh, last year, they had it with Hexagenia. And yeah, it's a, it's a listener-based poll, so a lot of support for Fall River in, in this Chico, Northern California area. Um, but if you didn't know about Fall River, they were founded back in 2011. Um, John and his wife founded it by starting brewing, as many craft breweries do, in their garage, and then opened up their brewery uh, a little while later near Bernie Falls, which is a lovely place. It's a great, if you want to hit the brewery and the waterfall, it's a great day trip. Highly recommend it. But uh, I don't recommend doing that on a day when you have to work. I much more recommend going on your day off. Johnny, what are we drinking first? Bada boom, segue, done. Oh, we are drinking day off. <laughs> it's a 5% Blondale with a whopping 15 IBUs. This is from their website. Day off is a refreshing straw-colored ale enjoyed by people who put in the time to earn their fun. It's crisp finish does all the work so you don't have to. And with little bitterness, you can enjoy all the flavor on your own time. Weather Day Off is the official drink of a rowdy bash or a pants-optional day on the couch. It suits any beer lover who appreciates their well-won leisure. Now, Johnny, as much as I do love your voice hearing that, I kind of do want to hear from John. So he's going to tell us a little bit more about Day Off as well as some backstory for our second beer, which will be later on the show, called Sippin' on Jam and Juice. So I'm going to drop John in here. John, thanks again for taking the time to let us know all this information. I think it is very good info. Everybody enjoy. Here's John Hutchins. Hey, Max and Johnny, Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, I uh, just wanted to shoot you guys a message. I'll be honest, I, I've never done a voice memo before, so I really hope this works. Uh, but I did get your message. Um, wanted to shoot you guys out something. Uh, start off with, man, just uh, we are super humbled that we somehow were able to win the second uh, March Beer Madness. That's pretty cool and uh, stoked to know that we've got a lot of support around this area. And uh, just thank you guys for putting it on, and thank you for all those that voted for us. We really appreciate it. 
Um, was glad you guys were able to stop by the tap house. I spoke to our taproom manager, and he said you guys picked up some beers. Uh, sounds like you've got the jam and juice and the day off. Um, as far as the day off goes, I'll give you a little breakdown on that. I mean, there's not really much to say other than it's just a, a beer that's meant to be smashed after uh, mowing your lawn or maybe you've got your feet kicked up on your couch watching some sports, hanging out with some friends, a light, easy, crushable beer, our version of what we like to drink, you know, hanging out at barbecues or, or out at the lake. Um, not a whole lot of crazy stuff behind other than it's just meant to be a nice, good, easy drinking, crushable beer. As far as the jam and juice goes, um, that's a heavily fruited kettle sour. Um, again, uh, I don't take credit for our beers in terms of the brewing. I have it actually brewed, uh, in quite some time. Our brewers are, are, uh, fully dialed on all of our stuff and I've given them the reins to take the run, uh, take, take the reins and run with it. Um, but, uh, I do know a bit about the beer. I do know that, uh, our brewers came up with four different fruits. I believe they were pomegranate, black cherry, uh, raspberry, and I think potentially blueberry on that one. And I may be wrong. Um, if I had a chance, I'm actually not near the brewery right now. I would talk to Colton to get the exact fruits on those, but I do know the process that he uses. It's a three day kettle sour. Um, he actually has to trick our automation into making that work, which is kind of cool. Um, he lets that sour over the weekend and then he'll go ahead and finish it on a Monday and uh, get that thing heavily fruited up and into the tank. And hopefully I didn't screw up on all the fruits. I know some of them are right, but uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, overall, though, that's the that's the breakdown of those beers. Definitely we are hip-hop fans in the brewery, a bunch of uh, northern white boys listening to lots of rap music. But uh, we are what we are. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm super stoked that we were able to get that W for uh, March Beer Madness and super stoked that you guys uh, are covering some of our stuff. Thank you very much and I look forward to the next one. So hope all is well and I really hope this voicemail gets to you guys. All right, we'll see you. Bye. Perfect. Thanks again, John. We appreciate it. I am ready to drink this beer after that hype. Johnny Summers, this is uh, I think right up our alley. It's, do you know what temperature it is out today by chance? Uh, high of 77 in the lovely city of Chico today. It's only 77 today? It's a very nice spring day. It's just warm in this room, I guess. But either way, yeah. a cold beer is appropriate for 77 or 97 or 107, which it gets to sometimes in this town. That's right. So. Yeah, it really is. And while John was talking, I took the liberty of drinking about half that beer. I kind of thought that might be the case. Okay, so did you just go for it or did you have a little taste and realize you wanted to come back for more? What was the deal? What's your experience with no. the day off? So when you label a beer as refreshing and crushable, I'm going to see what happens. I'm just going to let my mouth do all the work and decide, you know, let it decide if I'm sipping, if I'm gulping, okay. what's happening. And there was a gulping. I was, I was a gulping, not a sculpin. I was a gulping. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it was, uh, man, these are, we're on a roll today with bad jokes. Um, so it was good. You like it. Can you tell me a little bit about what you experienced? Maybe what it looks like and obviously how it tasted. Yeah, it looks like pretty much a, a light lager, blonde ale, very clear. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's it is straw colored, like they said. It's uh, very straightforward. This beer is one dimensional, but in a really tasty, crispy dimension. It's not filled with many bells and whistles. It's just a very straightforward, easy drinking, crushable. Is very accurate. Beer. I mean, this would be a great lawn mowing beer. This would be a great couch beer. This would be yes, a great yeah. beer to take to what the river. Say. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm, Go I'm ahead, a big sorry. fan of you know taking a couple beers out on the kayak when I'm fishing. This might make the list. Uh, I liked it, man. It's it's subtle. 
It's crushable. It's not very, not hoppy at all. I mean, you could put this right next to like one of the beers in this category is Farmer's Light. That's another one that's oh, just sure. absolutely, it's targeting that that market of people that are the Budweiser, the Bud Light drinkers, the very approachable, easy drinking, light beer drinkers. And this is a really nice representation of that. Uh, it has a bit more sweetness than I expected. There's mm. a nice a nice maltiness to it that really kind of reminds you that you are drinking something of a craft nature. So it does yeah. have a little bit of depth of flavor to it mm. uh, with a nice like kind of sweet finish, but definitely like right out of the ice chest at a barbecue, this this beer's a winner, man. I think this is going to be a really good beer for the summer. Totally. The one, not that Farmer's Light is a bad comparison. I think you're you're right on the money there. But the one that I think of first is like um, Montucky Cold Snack, which is another mm. like crisp little lager that isn't necessarily trying to punch you in the palate or anything. But it's like, hey, if you want, you know, like you said, and I think John said in his, his voice memo there, like uh, after you're done mowing the lawn or sitting on the couch watching sports, neither of those two things apply to me, but I can imagine. Like- this is, would be great for that. This is great for, yeah, if you're like going out and like after a hike maybe or like you've gone on a bike ride or you've just shredded the gnar on the guitar and you need to relax and have a, those are more my speed type things. But there you go. this appeals to all sorts of sensibilities. And yeah, man, it's great. There's like a bit of maltiness for sure. There's a, there's more sweetness than I expected too. Um, but nothing too aggressive and definitely nothing off-putting. I, I really enjoy this. I will uh, cop to this now. I drove to the brewery to get this, like you said. Um, and I think I probably got like, a six pack. I might've gotten two six packs. So I've had this over the course of the past, um, maybe week and a half. We were off the air last week. So I might've snuck in a couple of these. I'm a big fan. It's a very, very delicious crushable beer. Nice. So you got like a relationship with this beer at this point. At this point. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's talk stuff. We don't like, if anything, do you have anything that's jumping out to you as, as not super awesome? Uh, the only thing that I'm not super jazzed about is that, that sweet note Mm. in it, but it is a Blondale. And that is very indicative of that style. So it's not something I can nitpick for. That's just kind of a personal preference thing. Um, other than that, it's it's very nice. It's very approachable. I think they did a really good job doing exactly what they were after. What about you? Anything standing out? Yeah, the sweetness doesn't bother me so much. For me, and this is picking some pretty specific nits, there's like a little tiny bit of heaviness kind of on the back end that isn't necessarily my favorite. Um, it's something about that malt profile that's like weighing just a little heavy, particularly on the back of my tongue. It's yeah. just, just slightly, slightly too malty to, um, it, it's almost overshadowing the the lightness that I kind of want from this. Yeah, that makes sense. It definitely coats the palate a little bit. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, you know, it, it's fine. It's still really good. I enjoy it yeah. quite a bit. And honestly, this is one of those craft beers that I think is going to be marginally, or I don't know if that's the right word. It's going to be much better. Yeah, the opposite like, of marginally. I, Okay, yeah, it's going to be majorly better. Yeah, right out of the ice chest for sure. I think like ice cold, like just out of an ice bath. This bad boy is going to be at its peak performance, and the warmer it gets, the less enjoyable it is. Just like any any beer in this category, like what you're going for, it's that's an ice cold crispy boy. Yeah, dude. Uh, you feel comfortable giving it a rating out of ten? Yeah, I feel like this is a solid seven five. It's an eight for me. That's both very respectable ratings. I think. Uh, we've, I can't remember if we disagree on this or anything. You go stylistically. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably the right way. So you compare blondes to blondes and stouts to stouts. Um, I I think that's probably correct. That's what I should do more often. But my instinct is to be like, you know, this is never going to stand up to a, 
to a double IPA, and, and nor should it. I shouldn't compare that. So I'm going to shift more towards how you think of things. I think that's the right way to do it. And this is a really, really, really good blonde ale. But I also think you agree with me here. I, blonde ales are never super going to blow me out of the water. Um, so for some subjective reason, it's, I don't think I've ever had a 10 blonde ale. But I could be wrong. I mean, there's a 10 blonde ale out there. Like, uh, there's there's some... I believe there's like a strawberry blonde that I've really liked from a brewery. I can't remember which one. Mm. I know there's like a uh, rosy strawberry wheat ale, but that's not a blonde. Sure. There's there's definitely been some blondes, but yeah, it's it's all relative and it's all on a spectrum and uh I think you're you're right on with your score. Yeah, likewise, sir. Okay, so yes, again, that's day off from Fall River. It's a 7.5 for Johnny and it's an it's 8 a- for me. Yeah, man, this is a this is a good beer if you want to like have have one and then go do something. Go out. It's not going to weigh you down. I liked it. Day off, Blondale, Fall River. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. You get a chance to try this beer, Day Off, from Fall River. I want to know what you think. Please email me and Max at fhccast at gmail.com or let us know on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. Get at us. All right, let's start talking uh, the latest Guy Ritchie flick. It's called Wrath of Man. It came out earlier this month. We're going to play you a trailer for it. If you have not had a chance to see Wrath of Man yet, don't even worry. We're not going to spoil it without giving you plenty of heads up. If you're listening on KZFR, you're not going to hear the spoilers at all. So stick around. We'll be right back after this trailer. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new addition. H. Portico Security specializes in cash trucks across LA. Do you have any idea how dangerous this job can be? Some out there, yeah. We ain't the predators. We're the prey. You ready? Ready. This is your temporary sidearm. What happens if we're pulling pistols in a machine gun fight? Do you have a problem? I don't know. Do I? It's a 10 grand drop. You should have been back five minutes ago. They're serious! Leave this to me. Get in the truck next time! Sorry, pal. took us a civilian too there was an investigation and they still haven't found a scum who did it you were in an accident my son he didn't make it i need to know killed my son the tree has been shook and it's been shook hard we've scorched earth started by saying you'd do anything. But what I'm hearing is, you think you've done everything. I can see it's gonna be a long night. It's gotta be an inside job. I can do it in two weeks. You wanna wish you could do it in 20 years. Do bear a grudge. 
Okay, again, that was a trailer for Wrath of Man. I have taken the liberty of lifting something of a trailer synopsis from the internet, intersplicing some of my own thoughts to kind of tip my hand early, but it goes something like this. Mysterious and wild-eyed, a new armored truck security guard named H, played with steely apathy by Jason Statham, surprises his coworkers when he unleashes a set of deadly skills during an attempted heist. Afterwards, his crew is left wondering things like, who is this guy and where did he blow in from? We, as an audience, are left wondering things like, is Guy Ritchie more cinematic bark than bite? Or... Does he really think so highly of himself that he just decided to put this movie out after clearly zero script revisions and expect us all to go with it? Or is locker room style homophobia really a thing that we should leave in the past? Or is there a place for it in 2021? And if all else fails, can Jason Statham stare blankly but ferociously into a lens long enough for us to believe that there may actually be some real tension unfolding on screen? In any case, soon H's ultimate motive becomes clear as he takes dramatic and irrevocable steps to settle a score. Again, this was directed by Guy Ritchie, co-written by him and Ivan Atkinson, and Marn Davis, Johnny Summers, who is in this film. So you've got Jason Statham playing Patrick Hill, also known as H. You've got Holt McCallany playing Bullet. You'll know him from Mindhunter, Mind among Hunter. other things. Yep. You have Josh Hartnett playing Boy Sweat Dave. Sure. You have Eddie Marzen playing Terry, the security captain. And now real quick, also, those are all like, those are like the guys in the armored truck company. Like those are like the one side of things. We'll get into the plot here, but that's like kind of the, the core group on one side. That's right. Then you've got Jeffrey Donovan playing Jackson, the, the leader guy. And then we've got Scott Eastwood, son of the Clint, playing Jan. Uh, psycho yeah. <laughs> loose cannon guy. Yeah, like, and there, there's, there's more people we'll talk about when we get into like that side of things. They are a group of sort of disenfranchised military veterans who feel that, you know, their government's kind of screwed them, and they can, they can attempt to steal money from these cash trucks and and get away with it, sort of thing. You can mm -hmm. bet your bottom dollar. H. Jason Statham's character is like, no, you can't. I'm gonna make sure you don't do this. Uh, and he's got some personal reasons for making sure they don't. But Johnny, tell tell, tell mm -hmm. everybody uh, when this came out, how long it is, that sort of thing. This came out in the U.S. on May seventh, and this runs two hours long. Yeah, it's like an uh, it's like 119 minutes, but it feels it feels longer to me at least. Mm -hmm. Felt like 190. Okay, so before we saw this, you and I were pretty jazzed. We both really loved his last film, The Gentleman. Um, we both like Snatch. You like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. We were both pretty cold on, um, uh, help me out, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Yep. And mm -hmm. did you see Aladdin? Nobody liked Aladdin. Nobody liked it. We didn't bother seeing it, but it was pretty universally uh, despised. So in our brains, it was like, well, Aladdin's like, you know, kind of a, a one for them kind of thing so that he could make more things like The Gentleman. So I was hoping for Guy Ritchie the gentleman snatch form, which is like quick dialogue, weird cutscenes, interesting opening credits, which to, to, to be fair, this movie did have. But before I get into more of my thoughts, what did you expect and, and what did you find that you got? Well, I expected all the things that we just talked about. I felt like with the gentleman, that guy Richie was kind of returning to form mm -hmm. and maybe was, I had hope that he was going to crank out a movie that that was an obscure Jason Statham reference. You know, crank out. Of oh, nice, nice, nice. Hey, um, <laughs> that matched up to the gentleman that kind of followed suit in his unique style and had, you know, his fingerprint when done well. And like it just it's indescribably unique and it can be really well executed and engaging. Like the gentleman is one of, you know, 
the best movies I saw that year. Like that movie still stands out as being fantastically executed and well acted and really well written. And it had like a great sense of humor. Charlie Hunnam was great in it. Sure. Um, so I had high hopes that it would follow suit and just be good. That's that was my only hope. Like, just okay, be, be good, be up to just par with good. that sort of thing. Sure, I'm hoping this is good, and it, it was not good. It was disappointing on a plethora of levels. Yeah, the as you typed uh, locker room homophobia that never really went anywhere. Like, but why? that was just yeah. I mean, it it's not that I'm like so sensitive. Like it really bothered me. It was just it was lazy writing, and it was just unnecessary and it felt so out of place like you could tell that they were trying to just force the feeling of like a bro culture yeah and in my mind i'm like is this how people in the uk think that locker rooms in the united states are because i mean obviously guy Ritchie not from here so i'm like is this just this cartoonish representation of like 80s locker room culture because who on earth still talks like that like I mean, it's just not funny. Like, it was just lazy writing. It didn't offend me. It was just like, come on, do better. Like, this isn't good. Um, Because you had these characters that could have had some more depth to them, but they just, those jokes and that kind of writing just made them feel so shallow. And, like, it made me not care as much about them. Like, oh, you're just really typecasting them as just these kind of meatheads. Okay. But what really bummed me out about this movie was the overall plot And how it was narrated to us the whole time. I I mean, somewhat spoilery, but like, sorry, the whole movie is just explained to you as you go. Like, I think if we can tell people not to see this in the main part of it, I think we're doing our job correctly. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I mean, I want a heist movie to have some sort of suspense. And there was never any mystery as to how things were going to go. And it was just really a letdown. It felt like... The stakes are high, but like the it's already been laid out. Like you don't really need to invest that much. And like in a good heist movie, I want to be edge of my seat, gripping, sweating, thinking who's gonna double cross them? Where's totally. the where's the curveball coming from? And I feel like this movie didn't deliver on any of that. Overall, super big letdown, really bummed out. Honestly, we skipped recording last week because of what you had going on, but yeah. like I haven't thought about this movie. Yeah since like this is talking about it is the first time i've even thought about this movie so uh immensely not memorable and honestly not good some of guy Ritchie's worst work yeah man i i don't know that i'm gonna i I know for a fact i'm not gonna disagree with you but i don't know that i'm gonna add too much more to this aside from specific examples like for me like i like i said i think i said earlier i have not seen lock stock and two smoking barrels so my most of my exposure to Guy Ritchie has been Snatch, which I watched many years later. It was just like a year ago that I saw it for the first okay. time. And like The Gentleman and and that um, the King Arthur movie, which I kind of wrote off as like, well, maybe it was a, a flop for like an accident, an anomaly. So right. I had like these high hopes because like Snatch and, and The Gentleman like had really interesting narrative devices that they would use to kind of tell this story that is pretty straightforward, but they did it in an interesting way. And like you were hinting at this movie, Wrath of Man, is like it almost sets these tension bombs, but then immediately diffuses them by kind of laying it out for you immediately to the point where I was like, maybe they're setting this really intricate web of things that I'm not even picking up on that they're setting. Like that's going to eventually sort of spiral out into this big revelation. And I don't think it's too spoilery to say that it 
it doesn't do that. Um, there's nothing particularly surprising about this movie. Um, for me, like, and we talked about this when we talked about the gentleman, I took issue with, um, Hugh Grant's character. Like he was, he was this like creepy gay guy. And the, the, the way that they played it was like, he was creepy because he was kind of like gay. And I think you and I might've disagreed on this, but he was like a weirdo. Cause he kept like flirting with Charlie Hunnam's character. And like, there's this weird undertone of homophobia in a lot of Guy Ritchie's work. Like it's in snatch, but like different time kind of. So I was like, well, maybe that was just the tone of the decade. I don't know, but it's in this one so extremely that I thought it had to be a joke to the point where like, not even a joke, but like a plot device where they would do all this like insane homophobia stuff and use it as like a commentary on that sort of locker room talk. And it never pans out that way. It's just like this really offensive stuff about like gay stereotypes and like, it was just draining, man. Like, and it's certainly not funny and not creative. And it was, it really kind of just got me, it wore me out pretty early on. And most of this happens in the first 40 minutes as we are quote unquote character building, uh, which feels generous. Um, considering you get a line from Holt McCallan and be like, they call me, why do they call him bullet? They call me bullet. Cause I don't know. I'm, I shoot bullets was probably the line. No, he, he's like the firearms instructor. Sure. They call me bullet. <laughs> like he's interviewing Jason Statham. He's like, Patrick Hill, huh? Hill. Huh? Hill, I'm going to call you H like, okay, sick. Like, I guess we got to have our characters. Um, I, it was bad, man. I didn't like any of that. Like, and none of this, the, the and we talked about high stuff in our page, in our, in our, you know, our bonus content this week. Um, none of it was there. And the stuff that kind of was, was not well executed. So it was, it was a pretty big letdown for me as well. I was, I was, I was bummed. I also hadn't thought yeah. of it too much until today when I knew I had to speak about it. Yeah. Uh, for good reason. Because do we ever need a character named Boy Sweat Dave? And that also feels like he's the most, I think, offensive as the homophobia stuff goes. Like, just, and they call him Boy Sweat. I don't know, man. It was all, and Josh Hartnett's not a terrible actor. Uh, so I don't know what happened. It was just like, ugh, it was tough. Um, what did you like about this movie? <sighs> not much, man. Really, honestly, not much. There weren't. There wasn't like a real cool chase scene that I want out of a heist movie. Mm -mm. Um, the stakes, like I said, never felt high. It was just overly narrated that I, nothing, there was nothing I liked about this movie. Yeah. There's another thing that happens in this movie that I also don't like. Um, no, surprise, surprise. Same, que <laughs> same question. Was there anything that you liked? Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying to make a case for this and I don't want anybody to see it. Um, not, not really. Before I realized how bad it actually was, after that, after that first sort of 45 minutes of establishing stuff, there's some decent, like, there's some decent gunplay if you're into that and some fight scenes that I thought worked okay, but mostly no. I think Scott Eastwood's character was just exhausting. Okay, yeah. So let's that's what I was gonna get at next. Like, as far as heisty stuff goes, like in a good heist movie, you've got whatever crew, and then out of nowhere, someone is like flipped a switch or betrayed them or like, Oh, they're a, they're a psycho or a loose cannon. And this dude, Scott Eastwood, whose character's name is Jan is from the get go. You're like, well, that's the guy that's going to ruin it for that entire squad. Like how does yeah. this whole team not just cut him loose? Like get out of here, man. Like we do Honestly. not need this energy. You got to go. And yeah, yeah no, and like his, on. his whole character arc was insulting to my intelligence. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This is going to be, uh, for radio listeners that don't know this reference, this is going to be a really good chat in the danger zone when we can spoil it. Like we've all just seen it. Cause some of these things are so blatantly obvious and I don't want to spoil it for people yet. But when we get there, I would like to talk very specific examples. 
because uh, there's some really horrible ones. Like, just come on, put in some effort. Like, I meant that when I read it in the intro. Like, I really think this is like a first draft script and stuff like that has happened because of COVID. Like, people have had to go back for reshoots and like not finished all of the stuff that they were going to film. Like, it happened with, uh, well, we can talk about it later, but it happens. And maybe, maybe that's what happened. Like, he was like, we don't have time to rewrite the script. So, everybody go. Good luck. Yeah. And this was based on a book. That oh, was yes. had that then there was another movie. Did you do much research into that? Um, I did, and then I forgot to write any of it down. Um, but okay. I can find out. Can you give me the cliff notes from your memory, or do you want to just skip that? Yeah, let me definitely just go totally from memory here. It's based on if I remember right, it's uh, there was a 2004 French film, uh, translated in English. It was called Cash Truck, and I believe it was directed by Nicolas Boucrief, if I am remembering how to pronounce that right. And I don't know anything about the movie, I think people received it better than this. Granted, this movie's got like you know, a 61% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, I think, by sort of the average American cinema goer standard, fine. So Yeah, like slightly above like average. whatever. Like, I can buy popcorn and go to the theaters again, so sure, we'll watch this movie. Mm-hmm. That's what a 61% means. Yeah. I don't know, man. I was, I was pretty let down. I would like to eventually hear pretty quickly, unless you have too much more moving to spoilers. Do you have anything else you want to talk about without spoiling, or should we just rate it? No, I'm, I think we should rate it. Okay. I'm confident this will be one of my worst movies of the year. So I'll go first and I'm going to give it out of 10, a generous two. Yeah. It's a 1.5. 1.5. That's the lowest you've done in quite a while for a movie. This is an absolutely terrible movie. <laughs> okay. Well, that's Wrath of Man. If you get a chance to see it, which we think don't, um, you know, let us know what you think. We'd like to hear it. Get in touch with us. You can find us on social media again at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can send an email to fhccast at gmail.com or save yourself a couple steps. Head to our website, freshhopcinema.com for film reviews, beer reviews, and podcast episodes dating all the way back to 2016. To our KZFR listeners, the full-length version of this conversation will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. wherever quality podcasts are found, and all of our podcast listeners We'll be right back after this with the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to the Danger Zone. We're here. We made it. We're all fine. Ish. Ish. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So, okay. I don't know where to start. I don't know. I also don't know how much time we want to spend on this, but I want to talk about Jan, Scott Eastwood character, a bit. Okay. What a loser. Just what a loser that guy is. Like, like who on, How is he on the team? <laughs> who know? on earth thought it would be a good idea to do anything with that piece of shit? Yeah. I guess Jeffrey Donovan's character, Jackson, the leader of the the disenfranchised veterans, was like, he's a good, like, maybe, I, so I kind of got the impression they were all, like, in a in a squad together in the army or the military, you know, the Marines. I can't remember what they were. They were probably, like, some special ops. I think it was back in Nam. I think that's too far back for these guys. That might have been. Well, yeah, because they like they, 20, 30, maybe. Well, yeah, then there were super racist against. Um, oh, yeah. Afghanis? I forgot about that, too. Yeah. Ugh. You know, to the point, yeah, I, I'm sure it was Jan was like something racist, like I, Afghani scum, like they speak Arabs or whatever, or, you know, the other way around, probably. And then Jeffrey mm-hmm. Donovan's character is like, uh, Arabs and Afghans aren't the same. And for a minute, I was like, oh my gosh, are we going to get like a, a, a racial correction from this quote unquote bad guy and get a redeeming quality from a character in this movie? And no, he's just making some weird semantic t- distinction for right. some weird reason. 
Yeah, made no sense. But yeah, Ugh. his character was the worst. Also, I don't like Jeffrey Donovan's face. There, I said. I it. don't either. Something's wrong with it. Like he kind of gives me the creeps, which I guess kind of works because he he's just got this like blank sort of dude. Um, his little beady eyes are good for a villain. Beady eyes in his mouth. He's got like no upper lip. Yes, it's very very like he would play a good. Uh, what's the guy's name? Red Skull. Oh sure, yeah. Because he like <laughs> looks halfway like it anyway. Yeah. Um, most of, most of their squad sucked. Who's that mm-hmm. dude? There's one dude and I, I know, I know I've seen him before. I'm looking through the list right now. Um, I'm not seeing him yet. I will find him. Don't you worry. Let's see. I bet you. Nope. That's not you. Okay. This is a terrible radio now. I can't find it, but I will eventually find it. Oh, also post Malone was in this. Yeah. For a minute. Bad call. He was in, yeah. uh, he was in that other movie where he played a bad guy that I think dies with, uh, with Mark Wahlberg and um, the dude, uh, oh, oh, the, yeah. Winston Duke, Winston Duke, I think is his name. Yeah, it came out on Netflix and we didn't watch it because it sounded terrible. I put it on one time. I was a little bit drunk and I was getting ready for bed and I took my phone in the shower and put it up on like a shelf and I watched that movie for about 11 minutes in that shower, which felt like a long shower made longer by a bad movie. So mm. I didn't watch anymore, but Post Malone's in that. All right. So Post Malone's like, oh, for two. Yeah, that's the red flag for me. If like... On the cast list, Post Malone, I'm going to go, no thank you for me. Bro, stick to Bud Light commercials. He's in those too? Oh, he's like the poster boy for Bud Light. I he's like out. He's actually sponsored by Bud Light. That's awful. I saw this I saw this meme a long time ago. It was a picture of Post Malone, like just by a paparazzi or something. And the caption was like, Post Malone looks like the 0.099% of germs that Lysol doesn't kill. <laughs> Which uh, cracked me up because he does not look like somebody who uh, is great with hygiene. And maybe yeah. that's me projecting, but I think probably not. You know, I'm going to put your brain in a pretzel right now. I like his music. Yeah, I don't care about it. It's, I guess it's fine. People like that song Circles, right? Yeah, it's pretty catchy. People want me to sing that a lot. I have not listened to it once. Yeah. Okay, let's let's talk about the central conflict here. Jan, who we don't know at the time, has accident on purpose because he's a loose cannon killed H's son Dougie when they're out getting burritos be- because someone is calling Jason Statham trying to get information about the armored truck that these guys are about to rob. Well, because yeah, I mean, then we find out that Jason Statham is in fact like a heist leader. Is he's he? got his like, own crew. Yeah, yo, like, that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was gonna get at earlier. Like, there's this segment where it gets real dark real fast. Like, we get into like sex trade and like all sorts of shit and like it gets real gory for a minute. Like there's some tough torture scenes that we have to watch. Yeah. And like lots of murder, like lots like, of just, and it all happens like in a 10 to 12 minute montage. Where we're like, Jesus man. Like, yeah, I, I don't know that. That uh, was weird. It's like, Oh, you've had your serving of homophobia. Have some gore. I know. It's like, it's just like just uncomfortable stuff that it's like torture porn in different ways. Yeah, Ugh. exactly. It, I mean, it wasn't like on the level of a movie like hostile or something like that, but it was definitely a left turn from what we've been like, certainly a left turn from Guy Ritchie stuff. Yeah. Um, like all comedic air was sucked out of that room for a while. Yeah. It felt out of place in the movie environment that we'd been presented with. For and maybe sure. that was, t- I mean, it was broken up into chapters. So oh, maybe that God, was that's meant so self-indulgent too. And I they're mean, all that- dumb names. And they were like- all named. They, they literally <laughs> took like lines from the script. I know. And I know. made them the, yeah. But maybe that, I mean, devil's advocate maybe that was meant to display like jason statham's 
crew and like the the style, you know, how he operated and his people, like just to illustrate that he's like way more serious than these dumb army guys. I don't know. Maybe, but they were all like, and these aren't exactly what they were called, but it was things like angel of death or like scorch. One of them might've been scorched earth or something like that. One of them was scorched earth. And then one of them was like heart, liver, lungs, kidneys. Oh, the stupid last one. God. Yeah. I don't know, man. I have a hard time getting behind Jason Statham now that he's been like straight action roles. Like, have you seen Spy with Melissa McCarthy and him and others? No. Uh-uh. He gets to do this character. He's like an, he's like a, a spy that got kicked out for being too extreme, but he's so funny. He's a really funny actor and he doesn't almost ever get a chance to do that. You got to watch Spy or just watch his scenes. Well, it's I really so liked funny. him in Hobbs and Shaw. He's kind of funny in that too, though. Like he gets yeah, to do like the that's protective what I mean. older brother thing. Like, yeah. That's what I liked about that. Like it wasn't, it didn't take itself so goddamn seriously. I know. And this comes back to like my problem with, I think Guy Ritchie, like you're not, it's not, you're not smart enough for this. Like if you are, it's not showing through in your writing. Like this isn't a clever movie and you're delivering it to us. Like it's, it's a, it's like a quantum equation. it's like, dude, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's not yeah. good. <laughs> no. Yeah. Is, 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 this is not a situation where this movie is so complicated. It's simple. I it's know, like, and there's so much time jumping where he's like, it's almost like the plot is so simple. He involved the time jumping to try to throw us off the scent, but then is like, look, I've made this complicated movie. Try to keep up. Let me help you keep up, even though I've made it complicated for no reason. Yeah, and I'm going to spoon feed you how to keep up the whole time. Yeah. And also, there was at least one scene where I swear to God, I thought Holt McCallany. I swear to God, I thought he was going to kiss another guy. Man, I would be here for that movie. Like, I was I hoping they were I was disassemble like, was, like the the weird like toxic masculinity work culture and be like, okay, so like you know, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to make this one point. When when post, I think it's Post Malone when he's like shooting him or one bad guy is like Jason says like holding a gun. He's like, got any last words? And dude's like, suck my dick. And then Jason goes, suck your own dick. And like she's like, I thought it was all building up to like this really wonderful like lovemaking scene between H and bullet, which could be also what he calls his dildo. I don't know. It could have been beautiful and it wasn't, it was just more homophobia. Yeah. Cause there was Ugh. that weird, like sexual tension too, with like totally the male characters just like staring into each other's eyes for like ridiculous amounts of time. I'm like, Oh, they're, they obviously want to make out like, I know. do it. Do I was it. rooting go. for them. to. I was like, do it. Kiss him. Yeah. It would have been great. You kiss that man on his mouth, but no, also, never like, happened. Like you have an appearance from Rob Delaney, um, who is a guy that was in like, uh, he was in actually, he was in Hobbs and Shaw too. But in this movie, he is um, like the head of the company. And after H kills all those guys, he's like, hey, thanks for your service. Take a couple of days off. But he is portrayed as like super stereotypically gay. And even the boss underneath him played by Eddie Marsden is like kind of gay in, in Guy Ritchie's perception of what being gay is. It's like, the, the the more pieces of a suit you wear, the gayer you are. But like the more you work on the street, the tougher of a man and you're super fucking straight and like gay guys are dumb. I don't know. Yeah. It's gross. I don't like it. I mean, I like honestly, like I'm starting to question like Guy Ritchie's morals. For sure. He's just like, like a really like he's stuck in like whatever 80s cinema was where it's like being a man is like beating the shit out of people and like having sex with women. I didn't like that scene with uh, let me find her name. What was the actress's name? Um. Oh, that's a fun name. Neam Algar. She plays Dana in here. She's like, she's like the tough girl with the short blonde hair, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like he has sex with her to like get information 
And at one point, Jason he, like, Statham's throws, character. Correct. Yeah. Has sex with her to, like, find out about whatever. And he, like, does it and, like, gets up. And then she finally wakes up and he, like, throws her stuff out of, like, get up. I told you to get out of my bed. And, like, I'm going to interrogate you. It just feels real gross. It's just, like, ugh, just gross. Not feels gross. Yeah. It wasn't a real good movie. It was bad. Yeah. I expect yeah. more out of an Eastwood, damn it. I didn't actually know he was Clint Eastwood, although I don't like Clint Eastwood, so. Yeah, and it makes, honestly, it makes me wonder what mode Guy Ritchie's stuck in, because this is very, like, 70s and 80s, like, I'm not going to profess to know a lot about, like, British culture. Sure. But if it's anything like American culture, in that time, it was very backwards and not cool. (laughs) To be gay? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, like. Well, no, but, like, the culture was very backwards and, like, not cool, like. Not as cool as it is now to be you mean, different. You mean gay culture? Like, no, like the culture, like the bro culture that maybe Guy Ritchie is stuck in. Oh, I see. Like, I don't know if it was like that in, I don't know where he grew up, you know, in, in London or Europe or wherever. I mean, he's European. Is He's British. I don't he, know. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's English. He, um, I'll tell you right now. Uh, you know, doesn't actually say, but you know, he is alive. He was born in Hatfield, <laughs> Hatfield, Hertfordshire. So okay. Yeah. We all know where the that Hurt- is, so we, you know, we don't need to unpack it. Just southeast of what the fuck? It- it's a town and a civil parish in Hertfordshire, England. Okay. So, so yeah, it feels like he's just stuck in another era and it's it not does. translating. Like this might have worked like like you in like an eighties or even early nineties movie like Snatch. Yeah, but- even so Snatch was actually two thousand. Was um, it really? Yeah, which I know I was thinking that too. But it does still have like it. I don't think the film takes place in two thousand, which gives you like a little bit of wiggle room, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But unless you're using in this case that homophobia to make a larger point that would be relevant to the time in which that film is released, even if you said it decades before, what's the point? Like, don't don't do that. Just it's like this. It's like in Inglorious Bastards. The only reason I'm willing to sit through all of the anti-Semitism. And Nazi stuff is because they get what's coming to them in the end. Same with Django. Yeah. Like Tarantino uses that and, and really over exploits it to the level that Guy Ritchie does here. But there's a purpose. We have to sit through all that unpleasantness so that we get to finally have the catharsis. Yeah. Like, ah, fuck Nazis. And here it's just like, I guess that's what happens in this security place. So yeah. Yeah. And like, and then there's that weird guy that the first time we see him, he's like fingering his own throat. That guy in the security. Yeah. And like the, the air, not the airlock, but I know what you mean. Yeah. What the fuck's uh, that about? Yeah, and they never really went into that. Like, what the fuck was that? It felt to me like it felt that whole armory or whatever felt a lot like what you might stereotype a prison to be. Like, that guy's like the security guard that's going to like be like, don't drop the soap or I'm going to come rape you kind of guy. It's yeah. just, it's all so weird. It was, <laughs> man. So weird. It was so weird. Um, I'm you trying know to what? anything else. Yeah, what's up? It's time for another yeah, beer. That's what I was just gonna say. Okay, so moving on to beer number two. Again, that's Wrath of Man. Whatever, we're past it. Whatever. Okay, great. Sipping on jam and juice is more what I'm interested in. Full disclosure: I did have a couple of these also. Oh my a lot god! Of beers to go, and it's really good in my opinion. But maybe maybe your opinion's different. I do want to say, and John hinted at this in his voice memo he sent us. This is a fruited kettle sour with he thinks pomegranate, black cherry, raspberry, and blueberry. It's possible one to two of those fruits is not correct. I don't know. It's also 6.2%. Johnny, you've clearly opened yours. Um, have you poured it? I have. It's gorgeous. It The color yeah. mimics the label almost perfectly. It's like this dark, purpley maroon. Wow. And even the head is like, 
pink. It's just like, like yeah, super pink, which is Steven Tyler's favorite color. That's crazy. Why I don't get? Was that a joke? No, it's an Aerosmith song reference. You ever oh, listened yes. to the song Pink? I have not. No, nope. it's on. Un- it's uncomfortable. Oh, great! <laughs> Should have been part of the soundtrack. Yep. Oh wow. Yeah. Upset. What are you getting? Mm. Oh man. Oh, that's a treat. I oh, love wow. it. That's, that's that is real good. Number one wow. thing you don't want in a sour. What is it? Acidity. Yeah, heartburn, acidity, uh, sort of the chalkiness that gets on your teeth in like those yeah. really intense sours. And this doesn't have that. This is such a drinkable sour. Man, this rips. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, Man, it's it's so it's so um so um thick's not right, but it's it's very. I want to say hazy. You know, opaque. Is that the word I'm looking for? Sure. It's just, it looks like, it looks like nectar. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a real, real thick color on it. Yeah, man, this is good. Yeah. It's, you know, it's got a ton of, of berry and like the blueberry. It tastes like a fruit pie. This is very reminiscent of Jam Band. Yeah. Boulevard. Boulevard. Yeah. I love that beer. Mm-hmm. Man, this is delightful. You could tell me that this is like a like a raspberry like ale, and I'd believe mm-hmm. you. Like the kettle sour is a bit deceiving because it does not drink in the stereotypical, at least what I think of, flavor profile of a kettle sour. What this do you is, think of? It's I think a definitely a bit more punchy with mm-hmm. the acidity. Something like a like a like a key lime pie kettle sour from a new glory which is a great mm-hmm. beer but it has that that like a lot of kettle sours have that that biting tinge with that crackery bready finish and th- i don't like that because it's just too acidic you know and this has a nice jamminess to it that really levels that out and i i would say it hits a really excellent note of sweetness versus tang I wouldn't call this sour. This is just like slightly tangy, which yeah. just like a like a fresh raspberry. I mean, it's really, really nice, man. Yeah, I think the other thing on kettle sours is a lot of the time, because of how quickly they brew, some of those flavors are accentuated almost to like add some, I could just be projecting, but like add some heft to it. Like, look at this sour that makes a huge statement. Like we didn't even take very long to brew it, but look how much personality it has. And I like that this one feels a little bit more modest where it's like, yeah, look, here's a really sweet, enjoyable thing with some tanginess or some tartness. And it's like, yeah, that's a good point. It definitely feels more if I had to choose from these fruits, like more on the pomegranate tartness than like, than like a raspberry tartness. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's sweetness from all of them, I assume. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, a lot of the things in it aren't stereotypically sweet looking at you, pomegranate Mm -hmm. and raspberry. But the black cherry is important because yep. black cherries have that nice, overripe, squishy sweetness to them. And then blueberries, ripe blueberries are such yes. a tremendous flavor that, you know, I could, I'm, he seemed unsure if blueberries were in this, but it, yeah, I would guess that they might be, but definitely the black cherry shines through in that, like I said, that overripe, yeah. s- just bursting with juice cherry, like nothing better than than biting into like a fresh black cherry from the farmer's market. Oh, so sweet. And all of that delicious sugar from that stone fruit that has that depth 
It's yeah. not like just a simple sugar. It's got those just wild notes, man. It's it's such a fun thing to put in a beer and encapsulate well. And I think this one strikes a really nice balance. Also, shout out to the title of the song, Sipping on Jam and Juice. If you don't know, reference to a Snoop Dogg song, Sipping on Gin and Juice. I think it's just called Gin and Juice, but still, fun. Fun. I love a good fun name, you know? A little backstory. Great. Love it. Laid, laid back with my yeah. beer on my mind and my mind on my beer. There you go. I like it. Um, this is good, man. I think I could do with some more alcohol in this thing. I guess that's, I could, I'd say that a lot. I'd probably say that about a lot of drinks. Like, <laughs> I want more alcohol, but <laughs> this is good. I think 6.2 is nice. There is, it's, it's pretty sweet. I guess that would be the thing that you might be warned about if you're averse to this much flavor. It does come in a 16 ounce can. It's a lot. Like I don't, it is. I'll probably finish this, I suppose. Um, but I could definitely split it with, in this case, my wife, she's in the other room. It's a lot to drink to oneself. I think. Yeah. I think if, you know, if you were going to drink it over the course of a couple hours, maybe it would be nice, but yeah, to just like pound a, a couple ounce, hours. I don't know. Like if I've never had a drink last a couple hours in my or, hand in my life or like, and I'm thinking like, when I say a couple hours for a beer, it's like when I open a 22 ounce stout by myself. Okay, sure. And like I just pour a little bit and savor it and drink it. And those last a while. This I would see maybe lasting a half hour, 45 minutes. Like okay. if you're watching a movie, it's on the coffee table. You know, maybe you have it in an ice bucket or something like that. You there keep you it kind of cold. Champagne style. Just have your own little ice beer bucket. I've done I like that, that before. That's fancy. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, one hundred percent done that before because certain styles I like real cold, and this one I would like real cold. Um, but I could see this lasting a little bit longer. But also, I agree, sixteen ounce is a good size to share on this beer. For sure, it is. It is. It is pretty sweet. But I, I like that about it. But yeah, I don't know if I would want to drink all sixteen by myself. All right, I feel good. I've got no more thoughts on this at the moment, outside of a number uh, between one and ten. Do you have anything else? Hmm. It's got a really strong, like almost Kool-Aid vibe. Like just, it tastes real similar to like a fruit punch or like a mixed berry smoothie. Yeah, it does, huh? Mm-hmm. Like really strong. If you're into that sort of thing, this is going to be your jam. Hey, oh. Yeah, your jam and your juice. And your juice. There you <laughs> <Okay>. go. Okay. <laughs> That was uh, that was right. that's it for me though, man. Okay, yeah, it's good. really good. You're done. You've hit your you've hit your cap on puns also. You're done mm-hmm. for the day. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, sip it on jam and juice for me out of 10. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to go ahead and say, here it is. I'm going to tell you what it is right now. It's, it's an eight. It's an eight. Also, I'm also going yeah. eight. It's a seven, nine. Oh, seven, nine. That's man. Just really teasing you. I hate when you go 0. 0.9. It's very upsetting to me, but well, I understand the logic. I get it. Don't worry about it. It's not an eight, man. It's a solid beer though. Seven, nine is still a damn good score. Yeah. Speaking of, <laughs> nope. Speaking of distribution of these beers, um, I was driving back from, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about where you can get these beers and I'm not positive if you can get them in town. Cause again, I got them at the brewery. Um, but I was driving back from a place called, I believe Cottonwood. Is that up North kind of by Redding? Yeah. It's between Red Bluff and Redding. Great. That's where I was today. Stopped to get gas on the way home. And this is just a totally different beer shout out, but I saw Fall Rivers hard seltzers, which are called beach pop in the door at this random little gas station. And there are a couple new flavors. I definitely recommend. I just wanted to shout this out one time. If you can get a beach pop and you like hard seltzers, they're great. They have fun flavors like cherry lime, uh, mango peach, um, lime mint, like it's a mojito kind of thing. They have a mango one. 
They're great. They're very, very good. I think I have a couple of those in my fridge. Did I bring you those? Yeah. Nice. Drink them. They're fantastic. I'm going to drink them with dinner tonight after we're done recording. My man. Okay. That's sipping on jam and juice, Fall River, 7.9 Johnny, 8 me. You ready for Hot and Bothered? I am. Hot and Bothered. So speaking of seltzers, then, this one actually works. We need to give a couple shout outs. Number one, to our friend and patron, Nick Land, uh, that turned me on to a thing that I thought was not possible. He said, Max, I'm paraphrasing here. I know you like White Claws. I know you think they're great. You drink them all the time, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I say, of course, Nick, I do. I love White Claws, but my God, are they expensive? He goes, yeah, right. But Costco has some hard seltzers. Kirkland brand seltzers taste just as good, if not better, than White Claws. And I say, Nick, that's not possible. How much do they cost? He said they cost half as much as normal White Claws. I did some investigating by going to Costco. Turns out Costco sells, uh, what do you call them? They're not packs. They are larger than that. They're cases. like cases, yeah. They sell 24 of their Kirkland seltzers for $18. That's crazy pants. That is literally half the price of name brand White Claws. Now, I'm a bit of a White Claw snob, and I like most of them. And some people are like, Trulies are the same as White Claws. They all taste the same. How dare you? They don't. <laughs> At least, I know you like Trulies, but you're not like they taste the same. You're like, I just like them different. I like, sev- I like a couple flavors of Truly. Don't get it twisted, man. Fair some enough. of them suck. So I came back from Costco with 48 hard seltzers <laughs> for, you know, 40 bucks, yeah. which is pretty absurd. They didn't last very long in our little commune, but they were just as good. In fact, I will say the mango was better than White Claw. The black cherry, slightly worse, which is a shame because it's my favorite flavor, but still a great deal. So if you in these next summer months are like, oh, I'm sure spend a lot of money on White Claw, just, just go to Costco. Or if you're a patron of our show... Hit me up. I'll get a case for you. That's let's say what that's one of the perks of Patreon. Why not? Can I tell you a life hack? Please. You don't have to have a Costco membership to buy alcohol there. Right. But don't you have to have one to get in the door? No. You say you're here to only buy alcohol and you need to get a pass from customer service. And legally they cannot stop you from just going in to buy alcohol. So you just go to the desk and you're like, I'm just here to buy booze. And they give you a little like one day piece of paper thing. Wow. And then you can buy all the booze you want without a Costco membership. You should get a Costco membership, though. They're great. They are, but if the only one well, yeah, for the sure, booze, sure. Yeah, skip that's that. That's a good point. Also, like, I mean, the, the the alcohol at Costco, I don't understand. Like the vodka, you know? the How much, what size is that bottle? That's a handle. It's a 1.75 liter. It's huge, and it's $12. And there's a great episode of Planet Money, which is a podcast about how all vodka is literally has to be the same, basically. Yeah. It's great. If you're a vodka person, just you go to Costco, you get you can make vod claws at Costco for dirt, for peanuts. Uh, for, for pennies on the dollar. God, I have I have crazy. a handle of Costco vodka in my kitchen right now. I'm gonna be drunk this whole summer. I don't care. Let's do it. That's Sounds like doing. we're we're getting ready to rip this summer. I like where your head's at, bud. Let's yeah. fucking let's party. While I am drunk, I'll be watching the second season that just came to Netflix of Love, Death, and Robots. We've talked about the show, right, Johnny? Yes. Okay, I think you might have turned me on to the first season. I think you're right. It is an anthology series on Netflix made up of different animators and different animation styles telling stories, futuristic stories about oftentimes the failure of the human race to be productive and live long and robots basically taking over in different ways. Some of them are funny mm-hmm. and some are dramatic and some are kind of scary. And there's a new season out on Netflix right now. There's like, I think nine new episodes and they're, they're like 12 to 18 minutes long, super digestible. And the ones that I've seen, I've watched maybe three or four of them. Very good. Right up 
right up to the level of season one. So if you liked season one, or if you haven't seen it and you just like what I'm describing, check out Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. Highly recommend. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to be in on that pretty soon. We're kind of in between shows right now, so this is a good time to check that out. What's going on with you? So uh, I've got a fairly serious bother that I feel like as a beard podcast we should touch on. Max, are you familiar with uh, any of the kind of coming to light of all of the uh, harassment and assault and uh, issues that are being brought to light this week by certain women in the craft beer industry? No, I don't think I have. Tell me more. Well, there's this Instagram profile. She's a brewer and her Instagram handle is at rat magnet. And she has kind of provided a forum for women in the beer industry or the alcohol industry to come forward and share stories of abuse and mistreatment in the workplace. And some of them have been like of assault and rape. And oh, God. It's, it's it's real serious. Why is and it not it's, surprising? Sure. It's, yeah, that, it's that not, out. but it's it is um spreading like wildfire across the landscape of the alcohol industry specifically the craft beer industry you mean the the sharing uh, of these stories uh or the sharing the of these themselves the sharing of these stories is causing a wildfire in the craft beer industry yeah. just just yesterday as we record this the ceo of modern times stepped down oh shit um it is something you need to be paying attention to because what has happened is a forum has been allowed and the Brewers Association is paying attention to it. And it is something that is going to be shaking a lot of breweries that you know to their core because uh, Rat Magnet, in all her glory, has given women in the industry a place to anonymously share stories uh, and that can put them in the right connections with people that can actually help them and there can be repercussions because literally on her Instagram stories, there's hundreds of stories that have been sent to her like anonymously and that it's 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 a it's a thing man it's a big thing and it breaks my heart how shitty the industry can be and uh, i've seen terrible terrible things at beer fests and just not cool shit man and um it's something you should be paying attention to it is in the beer industry shaking to the core there's been many breweries that have let very high-ranking people go. Like the first big one was, like I said, the Modern Times CEO just stepping down. Um, some people, you know, there's mixed result, mixed opinions of that. Whether it's like a preemptive or if it's like a big statement as to um, them really trying to focus on their culture and knowing that they haven't done better. But I know all of the employees at the Oakland Modern Times walked the other day. They just, although, I'm sorry, although what at, uh, at the Modern Times. All the employees at the, the, the Modern employees? Times in Oakland, they walked um, as a like a solidarity kind of strike type thing. So not for the not for the CEO. I don't know. We haven't oh. really. Who knows? I mean, if there was a culture that was being promoted of uh, abuse and workplace inappropriate things happening, then who knows how far it went? But he stepped down real quick, and mm. uh, so you're seeing a ton of breweries get called out like tired hands got called out. They had to, they've actually, there's been a lot of firings and it seems like there's been a lot of complaints that have fallen on deaf ears and 
the bro culture of the beer industry has allowed people that are abusing other people to flourish sure. while the victims of, the, of this abuse have done nothing but suffer and you know get fired or get it brushed under the rug so it's a real awakening i think there's there's going to you're going to see a lot of claims that are unfounded and for attention and hopefully those don't drown out the we saw this with the me too movement i mean and I yeah, but historically that, with the Me Too, like like there were maybe a couple of those, but by and large, the vast majority of them were like real, just absolutely obvious. Like, of course, this is absurd. Exactly, things that and happened. It, like, and uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't take a big stretch of the imagination to think about how women could be mistreated at a brewery. Yeah. So, uh, if you like craft beer, you should be aware of it. You should follow Rat Magnet, and you should read the stories and decide for yourselves what breweries you want to keep supporting. So I think it's something as craft, uh, craft beer podcast, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on. And I wanted to shout out her Instagram just so more people get awareness to it. There's already like t-shirts being made, uh, that are all getting sold and being donated. All the profits being donated to her coming legal battles. Like God. it's, it's coming, man. So isn't that nuts? We're like, a, a woman will be like, Hey, this guy assaulted me. And then somebody's like, don't say that or I'm going to sue you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just being a forum for women to say their piece um, yeah. could lead to her getting in some hot water because, I mean, who knows? But it's a thing in the beer industry. Uh, think of it what you want. Make up your own minds. But be informed and uh, pay attention and know what's going on because uh, craft beer is kind of a small community. It's bigger than it yeah. ever has been. Sure. But it's a community that can be very exclusionary, and I've seen it be very exclusionary and very abusive firsthand. So it's important to me that we make our community better because we're part of that community in a roundabout way. I mean, I've worked in beer a lot, but what we do every week on this show is directly connected to craft beer. And it, you know, finding things out make me want to maybe not do certain breweries on the show. Mm -hmm. I don't I'm know. Down. Yeah, forget but it. it's yeah. but it's it's stuff that you should be aware of, and uh, educate yourselves and pay attention. So that's some crazy stuff that's going on in the beer industry. Well, um, hopefully, as a human species, all of this stuff we can learn and leave on Earth, and hopefully, when we go to outer space, we can be a better group of people and have learned these lessons. Right? That's the spirit, uh, and this brings us to space. Oh shoot! Whoa! Oh shoot! It's crazy how that works, man. Um, this has been a long time coming, by the way. It has. I am. It's like well. It's well, dude. It's a lot of episodes, man. It's well documented that I am on a journey to watch all of Star Trek by star date. I'm not going to bore you with the details of that. Just DM me on Instagram if you want to know more. Um, so I started with Star Trek Enterprise. Came out in 2001. Ran for four seasons. I recently finished the fourth season, and let me just tell you, it's a really great show. All right. Every season was 45-minute episodes, and there was like 25 of them in each season. There was so, And how long are they? Uh, 45 minutes each. Did you just say that? Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. I heard something else. Okay. Yeah, so 25 45-minute episodes per season. Okay, that's season. right. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, so I just finished the fourth season and have moved on to the next series. Uh, but Enterprise, I thought, was really good. Uh, the first two seasons were very fluffy very like first season of the next generation just exploration and fun character building the third season was like a near 
perfect season of science fiction space writing uh, with really high stakes, end of the world type stuff. Uh, and then season four just got weird and mm-hmm. silly. There were zombie or not zombie. There were um, Nazi aliens. There were alternate timelines. It just got absolutely ridiculous. But as a whole, I give Enterprise a big thumbs up. So I finished that. And I am now on to Star Trek Discovery, a brand new Star Trek series on uh, Paramount Plus that just started in 2018. So we're dealing with from very old to 20 years later, brand new technology. The special effects and cinematography in it is amazing. So that's where I'm at with that. I will revisit that once I'm done with Discovery and I'll give you a rundown on that and we'll move on to the next one. Sweet. I want to... I was actually hoping I could give you some homework for next week. There's been this show that I've been wanting to watch, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get to it. It's on Peacock. It's called, it's called Rutherford Falls. How dare you? Would that you is... mind watching it for me and reporting back and tell have... me what it is? I think you know about it. Oh, you just wait. I've already watched the whole show, bud. Oh, my God. Yep. That is going to be the featured highlight in my hot next week. Nice. Breaking down the brand new show, Rutherford Falls. Oh, I loved it. I can't wait to talk about it with you. I say you try and watch it by next week. Convince me. What's it about? Who's in it? Tell me stuff. Uh, so it's the new show from Michael Schur, who was the creator of The Good Place of, uh, whatchamacallit, Parks and Rec. He was one of the main mm-hmm. writers on the U.S. office. Uh, to okay, give I'm you in. a feel you of it. Yeah. me. I'm so, <laughs> Yep. So you have Michael Schur writing for Ed Helms, who okay. is uh, a Rutherford a man very obsessed with his family history and a statue. So he's Andrew, he's Andy Bernard. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's also best friends with a Native American woman, and they find themselves at odds dealing with a lot of social conflict and the fact that it's not a good time for people that like statues is one of the funny jokes in the show. Okay. Um, it's uh, one of the most populated by Native Americans uh, Native American sitcoms ever. It's the first sitcom to have a Native American showrunner. Uh, wow, it is that's cool. Huge for representation. Um, there is an amazing episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour where Glenn Weldon sat down with two very prominent uh, Native American writers. One is like the editor in chief for the biggest Native American like newspaper in the United States. Yeah, and um, I was on the fence because I'm like it looks fine, but I'm not, I didn't really look much into it, but listening to the two people that he interviewed in that episode, a hundred percent sold me on it. Um, and just brought back to light how important like representation is and like how amazing it is for people that have never seen people that look like them to be on TV. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, especially with Glenn Weldon being a gay man, he's like, you know, I can't underscore enough how important that is and how groundbreaking that this silly sitcom actually is. And the writing is so crisp and clean and like just the, the scathing back and forth between, you know, native Americans and people that settled their land and the give and take. And Ed Helms gets put into a lot of situations like, uh, you're going to steal my land. That's not fair. Like oh. stuff like that, you know. Ed so, Helms' character says that. Yes, that's ironic. Exactly. I guess that's the point, right? Yeah, that is the point, and it it leads to some really fun stuff. So, I'm not going to tease it any more than that. I'd love to get into the specifics with you, but I think it's something that 
particularly you and Gianna could really eat up. I fell in cool. love with some of these characters within the first two episodes, finished it in two days. Nice. Yeah. Again, just in case anybody wants to watch along, I will watch it this week. There's 10 episodes. It is on Peacock, which I know for a fact you can get a free demo of. I think it's like a, it's either a week or a month for free. Um, so do that. It's also got the office on it, which if you were an office fanatic, um, like we were, that's why we got Peacock. Um, you can watch that also. Um, Rutherford Falls, looking forward to it. That sounds great, man. You've hit a lot of things that I uh, look for in shows. So thank you for the, for the tease. Excellent. Yeah. The whole time I was watching it, I was like, Max is going to love this. Cool. That's my kind of show. Yeah. Like I was drunk and I texted you and I was like, dude, this show's got such strong Ted Lasso vibes. Oh, that's what you, that's why it sounds so familiar. Nice. Yeah. So I love Ted Lasso. Okay. Exactly. I think it's going to scratch that itch and also get into way more like really hot button, like scathing, like social political issues, which I I am here for. Well, well-written political, social commentary, satire. Sign me up, dude, all day. Yeah. All right. You got anything else this week, my friend? Uh, I do not. I think I'm there. I'm good. Um, Looking forward to next week's episode. I think we already have some ideas of stuff we're going to talk about. I can go ahead and tease that now if that's cool with you. You got a brewery also? Uh, not a brewery yet, but I do know what. There's a couple of movies that we're going to watch. All right. Let's give them a chance to to, to watch along. Sure. What are we, what are we talking about? Potentially? Well, we are going to be talking about the new Angelina Jolie movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead, written by mm. Taylor Sheridan. And we are also going to be touching on, oh God, the new zombie movie on Netflix. You know Army, what it is. Army of the Dead? Is that what it was? I think so. That sounds right. Ar- yeah. Man, I've I've got thoughts on both of these, having seen neither of them. But that's that's <laughs> the beauty of the show. We can talk about it next week. But um, they're seemingly, from the trailers, drastically different films. Um, I know they're both, I think, I actually don't know they're both in theaters, but I think they're both in theaters. I'm pretty sure that those that wish me dead is on HBO max. Yep. On, and then did you by chance figure out for sure the name of the zombie movie? Yeah. Oh, it is army of the dead and oh, it nice. will be, it'll be in theaters and Netflix, uh, as of May 21st. Okay, sweet. Um, okay. Well that makes things easy. So watch those. If you want to keep up with us, they will make for conversation at the very least <laughs> yelp that's it um okay and the show notes the show wouldn't obviously it wouldn't be what it is without the support of bailey minardi all of our friends on patreon we super 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 appreciate you of course thanks to the handlebar for supporting this show if you want to join us on patreon guys it's super super easy and we really really do appreciate it i'm saying all my words twice twice just to let you know how important important it is to keep this show running you can do it for a dollar an episode at patreon.com slash fresh cinema you can also just follow us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. And if you're feeling particularly angelic, leave us a rating and or a review at Apple Podcasts. It really goes a long way. Helps other people find our show, which is super, super cool. There it is again. Johnny Summers, anything else or should we just get out of here? Let's get out of here, man. Don't forget, drink good beer, watch good movies, be good to each other. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.